0: Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast and doesn't the world feel a much better place after Manchester United have won a game and won it so convincingly. Played really well in both halves against Newcastle United away, 1-4-1. It was the opposite of the game at St James's Park last season, a 1-0 defeat and the mood after that one last year was pretty awful and it was pretty awful before this game this year and i got to admit I wasn't too confident Going into it as a United fan. Because I know that there wasn't a lot of preparation. I know that there wasn't even a full proper training session. Because the players had been away on international duty. And United were unable to uh, play Edison Cavani for example. And you could just see the vultures starting to sense a target. And smell blood with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But once again... When he gets, when he needs a win, he gets one. He's done it a few times now. I remember last December before Tottenham away, before Tottenham at home, sorry, and he started Mason Greenwood and he got a win and then beat City again a few days later. So sometimes it's when you least expect it. And I know that Ollie feels that he's had a terrible pre season and other teams have as well, but he feels that United especially have had a terrible pre season. And he feels that other teams who were playing European football have been erratic at the start of this season. And I think some of the results bear that out. Even this weekend there were some freak results. And Liverpool, who were not playing European football, I mean they lost 7-2 at, at Villa. And This podcast is brought to you in association with The Athletic. I've done quite a lot of work for them in the lockdown um, I went to the Under-21s game at Rochdale, did a big interview with the, the manager, Neil Wood. Um, a few days after that, having been to a few United matches, I, I went south, a long way south. and Just giving you an example of how this journalism works, because I went to Morgan see Morgan Snydlin in Nice, and that meant a train from Manchester to London to Paris to Lyon, where I saw the Lyon manager, and then on to Nice. Except when I got to Manchester Piccadilly, having got up at five in the morning, the West Coast main line was down. So I had to go over to Yorkshire to go down to London. And then I missed my connection to Paris, which meant buying another ticket. And one of the points I'm making here is that journalism is not free. If you want clickbait and all that stuff, um, you can get that. There's loads of free stuff out there. But I spent months organising this interview with Snidlin. He's a really good, um, very open with me. He's a good talker. And I'm not saying he's the best player that's ever played for United, not by a long way. But that doesn't mean he shouldn't be interested. And he's very open about why he failed when he was at United. So that's on The Athletic. We've got a special offer for United We Stand readers who have not subscribed to The Athletic before. If you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand, there's an offer at the moment for a pound a month. And you can cancel it at any time. It's usually a lot more than that. And some of the journalism there is quality. And The Athletics support this podcast. So without that support we'll struggle to do this podcast. Because we try and keep this podcast free. And we obviously put a lot of work into this podcast. So please support uh, our sponsors while we've got them. It's a challenging time doing this podcast. We do a lot of these podcasts normally at matches when we're speaking to fans. That's difficult. But we're going to carry on trying to, to do them. And I'm going to speak to a few uh, United fans today as part of this podcast before I head to Paris for the Champions League game against PSG. I can't promise that the Paris podcast is going to be anything like the last one. That had more downloads than any podcast than we've ever done. And remember that PSG fan at the start of it where he was talking about which opponents he hoped his team would get uh, because he assumed very confidently and a little bit arrogantly that Manchester United had already been eliminated after the game at Old Trafford but I will head over to Paris and I'm going to introduce our first guest, is Ant Shaw and is a regular voice on these podcasts, more so when there's games, usually he's in a garage outside Old Trafford after matches, yeah. Ant Shaw welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast, Are you happy after that 4-1 win?
1: Yeah, it was a big result for United, especially considering you know the runner games we've got coming up. Um, not just for United as well, but for Eligundo Salt Share as well. So, really happy about um, that he could get that win, and hopefully, puts us in a in a good place to go into those tougher fixtures.
0: Could you see it coming?
1: Yeah, I, I fancied us to beat Newcastle. To be honest, um, I think, you know, let's have it right. We're expected to beat Newcastle. Um, it's not something to completely um, get carried away about, but. All the same, you know, with the um, fitness of the squad early season, um, it was it definitely wasn't a gimme, and um, we've managed to come away with that win, and it was we deserved to as well.
0: With no fans at matches,
1: and I thought that was a
0: pretty crass tweet by Manchester United yesterday, talking about not having to climb up the fourteen steps at St James's Park. And I know they later deleted it, but I felt that fans would do anything to be climbing up those fourteen flights of steps to watch the game at St James's Park but with no fans there, a lot of the mood setting is done online what did you make of the comments on social media after the team had been announced and before the game had started because even by the extreme standards of Twitter it seemed even more extreme than normal
1: Yeah, it's a real gripe of mine at the moment, I think you know We'd lost the previous match 6-1, you know, so we we can't be... And a lot of players had looked unfit as well, so we can't just pick the same team, you know. We had a player there that had a bad game versus Tottenham and went on international duty talking about Real Madrid. I'm really happy that, you know, that doesn't get him in the team the next match. So I, I think um, whilst I didn't expect the changes um, to the extent that we, we had, you know, I think Solskjaer realises that he needs to back those players that are backing him. And I was actually quite—I wasn't disappointed with the team, and you know it—it was proven right because we played well, and it was probably our best performance of the season. It definitely was, but you're saying this with the benefit of hindsight, and I didn't see
0: you criticising before the game. But a lot of people were scathing in their criticism, and I cannot imagine being at St James's Park an hour before the match, stood among Man United fans. Where those fans are absolutely slaughtering the manager and the team before the game started. I could see it happening after a bad defeat, but not before a game.
1: No, and I think um, Blackie, that's uh, right, so United we stand at a good point where he said, sooner people get in the ground, the better, because the supporters are all becoming one with this situation. You know, in terms of um, the, the, the comments online, you know, they don't carry more, they all carry the same weight, and at the moment it's. Um, It's it's really difficult in that sense because because people are not going to the ground. They can't get behind players. Um, You know, Harry Maguire needed some support. He he doesn't get that. He gets more criticism than than support on Twitter, even off his own fans. And it's just become there's no separation at the moment from going to the game and supporting and making your comments online. So I think sooner the fans get back in the ground, the better in that sense.
0: Because if there would have been fans there. Everyone was pissed off after Tottenham, and rightly so, and even with the start to the season. But I think there would have been a defiance there. I think the team would have walked out to 3,000 fans chanting. It would have been nothing like what we saw online yesterday, where you've got accounts, some of them, with huge numbers of followers. Most of them are anonymous, or they've got pictures of footballers for the bio. But basically setting up for a fall, being ultra-critical before the game's even started.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not normal, is it? I mean, we we, we've supported United for years, decades, and you know, I've I've seen, I've I've looked at conversations this morning that people are having, like looking at games coming up where the manager could possibly get sacked, and he finished third last year, which was the highest position that he possibly could have finished with that squad, and yeah, the start's not been brilliant, but you know, talking about sacking a manager after three games, I mean, what have we become? It's just, it is absolutely scandalous at the moment, and. You know, I, I do actually feel sorry for some of the players that play for United at the moment. I mean, Chris Marley's just left. I'm really happy that he can go to a club that, you know, where he'll get some support. Whereas United fans constantly criticised, you know, the the best defender over a period of at least five years. So that that's that's the difference at the moment. It is a concern. It's something that, you know, I'm hoping it can turn around, to be honest, because it's it's becoming unbearable.
0: It's getting worse. I can't see it turning around at all. I went to see um, Chris a year ago, and he actually said he'd stop looking at social media because the abuse was becoming that penacious that it was affecting him. And when he went to Rome and he found support there, he, he, he found that he was much happier. He started enjoying his football more. And I started this podcast by saying i have been to see Morgan Schneiderlinn. And no one will remember him as a United legend, but he just said, You just don't go on Twitter. He said, The abuse is that strong that you just don't go there. And part of me thinks that's pretty sad because I think a lot of these players would actually like to, to comment if the grounds were, if it was a reasonable place to comment and there was reasonable discussion. But there's no way there can be any reasonableness on a platform as toxic as Twitter. No, and it is.
1: It is. It is. Pretty unbearable at the moment. And like I said, I mean, Chris Smalling was one of our best players over a period, a long period of time. And, you know, if he's getting that, can you imagine what the likes of, you know, Phil Jones and the like, they've just had the confidence beaten out of him. And I actually feel like I I, I see it in some players' performances these days. I mean, Dan Dan James, you know, he he didn't have the best game yesterday, but he certainly looked more confident than he had in the previous 10 months. And I do wonder how much part, you know, a lad coming from Swansea, how difficult must it be that? You know, you you just met with this barrage of tweets that are just, you know, the the so personal. It's just ridiculous.
0: I think I think fair and constructive criticism is is fine. That goes with the territory, especially if you play for Manchester United. And Dan James started well, and maybe he overachieved at the start, and he was pretty disappointing. But the personal stuff, as you say and i read an interview with Arsene benga this weekend where he talked about whole stadiums describing him as a pedophile it's just it's just absolutely mental and that was before yeah that was before social media <laughs> but how did you watch the game because i saw you before the match saying you were giving the 15 pound that had been earmarked by some people for pay-per-view to to a food bank where did you watch the match or did you see it
1: yeah i managed to see it but it wasn't by paying you know for for it for Sky for it, I managed to um, watch it somewhere else. But, um, you know it's it's um I decided to just make a stand on that. I mean, I've I've been I've supported United for years now, and I think you know I've been through the times where we had to pay you know like sixty five seventy quid for away tickets. I think Arsenal even one year was seventy five quid, but um. I, I do actually think that that's dropped down, but there's still certain points where the, it actively needs to be discouraged um, and supporters need to take a stand at some point because they will take as much as they can get away with and um I think i'm I'm happy with the fact that I gave my fifteen pound elsewhere yesterday and managed not to um, you know pay sky So you gave it to a
0: food bank in Oldham. There was a rumor that you were seen leaving that food bank with twenty pounds worth of food. Can you confirm that's not true?
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's not true. No, I think um, I I am just just back to that very briefly. I mean, I know um, the basis for it is the fact that it wouldn't have been on television anyway, and the the saying that some of the money will filter down the the football pyramid, but the football pyramid's full of irresponsible owners with poor motives as well. So it's not like the fans of those clubs are getting anything from it. So I just I just don't see where football is going to go in that sense at the moment because. Even if the Premier League does start giving money down the pyramid, which I have absolutely no issue with. In fact, I actually support it. You know, you're going to get people who are, own, who are owning those clubs pocketing it that way anyway. So it just makes no difference. You know, it, it does actually. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks, but about reform. But the the, the real problem um, that will never go away is the fact that these people with financial motives owning football clubs, and that's that's where the fundamental problem lies to resolving it forever
0: when money comes into football it tends to result in one certainty higher wages for players and that's not just at Premier League level that's even at non-league level so you're quite right so you had a situation before Berry went under where they were being run extremely irresponsibly they had nine strikers on the book at one point I can't recall Berry fans complaining about this I've got a lot of sympathy for them but I can't recall many of them complaining when they were getting promotion in 2018-19. Oldham Athletic have not been run well, Bolton Wanderers, Macclesfield Town. These are all clubs with long-standing histories, very close to Manchester. And they've been run appallingly bad in some cases, to the point that two of them uh, have gone under. So I think there's definitely a case for far stronger regulation in who can own football clubs. Um, I don't think we're going to see it with the project which has now been disbanded after every Premier League club voted against that last week. And you're quite right about the ticket prices. There has been some improvements. I can remember Arsenal being as a high as 62 quid. It was actually a game involving Manchester City what got a lot of the coverage. And I remember one journalist writing that, because it was a good game apparently... Uh, that was worth every penny at a 62 quid. And I just thought, I wonder when you last paid to watch a game of football to think that 62 <laughs> quid for an away fan late on a Sunday is good value for money. And I'm, I'm glad that ticket prices have been coming down to a more reasonable level. They've not gone up at Old Trafford for a decade now. And I think the cap on away tickets for £30, it is a major step in, in the right direction. And I think people are genuinely starting to see that now. But there's still so many... Uh, problems and this pay per view issue uh, was a pertinent one in recent weeks I don't think anyone expects it to be free but what is a fair amount what would you pay, should it be a fiver should it be a tenner or should season ticket holders if they've paid up uh, have it for free or have it at a discounted rate because you had a situation on Saturday where Newcastle United fans have paid up front for the season ticket, they've not had the money back yet and they were being asked to pay more money Upfront to watch for pay per
1: view for a home match—it's ridiculous. I don't—I don't think my my issue is more around the price. I mean, you know, maybe a ten quid, something like that. It's more the fact that you're asked to pay it because, in the first place, because I mean, if you've got a um, a subscription to watch all the football, you know, that cost you now. With um, it was actually better for a supporter when Sky had a monopoly on it because at least you only had to subscribe to one channel. Then now you have to subscribe to. BT, um, Sky, and even Amazon like, for some games. I think um, I've not used that myself, but I think when when Sky had it in one, you know, it was just one monthly package, and you had all the football on Telly. You even had all the Champions League, and you had all even foreign football. If you watch it, I, I don't really bother. Um, but now, you know, Champions Leagues on BT, Premier Leagues on Sky, um, mainly. It is it's for for a consumer. It's um, very difficult already, and it's. It's not even, like I said, It's if that were £10 was going to help in a club, then I'd probably agree with it, but when you've got so many crooks in charge of lower league football clubs already, like you've just touched on there with Bury at Oldham. Let's talk
0: about the performance. Surely you to
1: them to, to do it? Yeah.
0: Now that you have, Go uh, on, sorry. Let's talk about the performance, given that you did see the game. Okay. Uh, who impressed you?
1: Um, I thought Rashford had a good game. Um, I was really happy to see, you know, he, I thought he had a really good attitude yesterday. A lot of running, a lot of teamwork, and um, it's not always a given with Rashford, I don't think. So I was really happy to see that. Um, I thought, obviously, regardless of how many times he lost the ball, Fernandez kept going. You know, he, you know, if you were to sum up his performance, you'd probably give him a six, but on attitude, you know, you you can really see a lot of footballers here just keeping going all throughout the game and not letting. You know, moments get to them, which is a good sign of character. Um, I thought Maguire had a good game, um, but overall I think that the, the uh, main man which has been touched on by a lot of people was Matter. and um, I've been quite critical of him in the past because overall I, I don't think he's been a great signing for United because I never think we've found him a position. But um, out of everybody in the squad, I think he's looked most um, likely to start look most ready to start the season and that's a, a real positive for him. I hope he gets more game time because of it. What about you? What did you think?
0: Well, I know match was excellent in the League Cup games and he was excellent against Newcastle. Um, I'll try and give you some insight beyond my own opinion. I know that Rashford has been told to get closer to goal and he played in that number nine role because obviously Martial was out and I thought he played well in it. I know he's been getting told to receive the ball more on the half term and probably his best game for a long time he scored, he made those assists he looked confident bordering on a sort of self-assured arrogance but it was excellent I know from winning the club obviously there's delight about the, the result um, and I know that the coaches felt that there was still some sloppy ball use at times from one or two which would get punished against a team like PSG Against uh, on Tuesday, but there was more definitely more zip in the game without Paul Pogba. Um, enough to beat, you know, a Chelsea and an Everton. But if United can defend that bit quicker and be more on the front foot, then the club are heading in the right direction with more games. Uh, I know there's a feeling among the coaches that the fitness will improve that's been lacking i think we saw that qpr tried to, crystal palace tried to catch united cold and did so tottenham did exactly the same um just got got to start winning matches at home because of some matches big games coming up against uh, leipzig who are top of the bundesliga against chelsea against arsenal and then psg were one of the best teams in the world you know neymar's going to play he's better than anything manchester united have got and i think last time in paris was Incredible, but it was a freak result. I mean, let's be honest. I was sat in the ground watching PSG absolutely batter United and it was a freak result which which was fantastic and the circumstances and it was deserved as well in many ways, but PSG will be the clear, clear favourites to beat Manchester United on Tuesday in, in an empty part of
1: the Yeah, and there was a lot of there's been a lot of games like that under Ali where we've started as underdogs but you know you saw the, the even the goals we scored um yesterday against Newcastle they came from counter attacks most of them so i think um you know those that those, that run of tough tough fixtures that we've got now i actually think it might suit Ollie a bit because um that's that's probably our biggest strength counter attacking football
0: and and beating the better teams definitely i think they they know that united is still a long way off even liverpool but there's got to be minimum requirements, I think. Manchester United being mid-table, no-one will buy that, whatever the circumstances, whatever the excuses. But you're right, look at look at last season. United beat Chelsea away twice, beat City away uh, twice. They're often better playing on the counter-attack. But you'd like to think with the plays that he's been brought in, I mean, Bruno was excellent. His run for his goal was incredible, how far he ran. So late on, in the game, and his his combinations with Juan Mata were really encouraging, Marcus Rashford we've already spoke about him uh, Cavani, I did a piece on Friday where I spoke to Diego Forlan about him and, and he was raving about him, and Rudy Garcia um, and he knows far more about Edison Cavani than I do, because he's had to set up teams to play against him for the last five years, or whatever yeah. and he was just saying, why did PSG sell him? he said he was a, such a huge part of PSG and maybe you look at the stats last season and his injuries, so you start to shed some uh, you have some doubts as to uh, how effective he was at PSG but these people are worth listening to this isn't just a guy in the bar going he's absolutely shit, he's finished these are top level professionals offering their opinions on a player who they still think is very good I can't wait to see Cavani in the United shirt Um and, and Alex Tellis as well. I, I'm not sure that um, Facundo Pilestre will, will be ready yet. Um, I thought Van der Beek did well at Newcastle. I don't know what you thought of him. I was a little bit surprised he didn't start the game.
1: Yeah, and I think as a, you know, as a whole, I think the talk of us having a crap team is very premature because I don't think we have. Um, there was some really good football happening in like June and July at times um, where you could really see a team forming. And that's why it's so disappointing with how unfit some of the players looked at the start of the season because you know we wanted to pick up where we left off and there was some really good performances at the back end of last season. I think we've added Brandon Bake, like you just said, and I think um, some really tidy um, you know, introductions at the moment that he's had. And I'm hoping against PSG he will start the game because I think he deserves to. I always think that was the plan too um, I know there was a big meltdown about him not starting yesterday, but I do think that he has got um, a plan against PSG, and that, that includes Van der Beek, and that's the reason why he didn't start yesterday.
0: I know that it he feels like he's got to rest players, given that there's games every three days now. It's going to be much tougher than last season. Champions League's going to be miles harder than the Europa League. And we're watching all this from far we can't sell the fanzines at the ground. Normally, you're looking after the lads selling the fanzine at the ground. How do you feel about missing it all? Because we did hope when we spoke oh, a few months a, ago that we'd be back in October.
1: Yeah, it's a huge miss. To be honest, I think um, you know you you actually get time at weekends, which you think, bloody hell, what do I do now? Because it's not you know football is a part of your life when you go to the to every game. What do we play like twenty six, twenty seven home matches a season or something now and to have all of those weekends just empty it is a, it is a bit of a strange feeling. Um I think even selling the mag, you know, there's a lot of people that you don't see. Um you just get to sort of see the tweets and things and that's it and it's it's a bit depressing really. I think um to see them on a match day and speak to them and have conversations with them, not just about football but life as well. You, you know, you're not having those conversations and it is sad and I think the you, you know the newest cover the United Way Stand cover was really good on that part because it, it does make you realize what what you are actually missing. Uh, Rick did a good job of that. and You,
0: you touch on community there and, and you're quite right. And I, I know people who've passed away um, during the pandemic, United fans who go home and away, and we, we've put several of them, uh, their are obituaries sadly in United We Stand and others are not are not so well. Um, a former United We Stand seller, Gary, um, not in the best of health at the moment. Gary, if you're listening to this, we've got very happy memories of you, mate. And we hope, that, we hope that, well we can't pretend that things are normal for you But we're all thinking about your lad And we, we've all got a lot of time and very happy memories uh, of you Gary used to sell the mag with you didn't he?
1: Yeah he did yeah We've got loads of stories about Gary, he's famous yeah And um, when, I, when I got an update on how he was I put it in our WhatsApp group, our sellers WhatsApp group And some of them you know, started reminiscing about some of his stories And it was you know it was a right laugh um, are, are
0: you allowed to repeat any of them?
1: Probably not, no, to be honest. <laughs> some bad things, I tell you. But, um, but yeah, he was a very, very old-school bloke, a big big Man United fan. I mean, one of my favourite memories was, he, was with him was um, I used to love how he used to get the Megabus one way every time to save himself some money. So like, he used to pay like five quid on the Megabus to go to Crystal Palace away or something. And then he'd always jump on the United West stand coach back because um, Blackie had let him on for a tenner or something back and it was it was brilliant that but you used to always get the mega bus there or some weird way of getting there but i remember once he came um to anfield on the coach and he came with this leather jacket on and it was about 95 degrees on the deck. and um, he had his, his united away top underneath it was around two thousand two thousand and ten, 2010 i think it was and it was um the, the black top with a blue v on it the away kit and he had that on underneath his leather jacket and um he didn't have a ticket so he had to watch it in the taxi club in Liverpool and I don't know if you've ever been in there but the, the roof is really low and bearing in mind it was a 95 degree day and he couldn't take his coat off because of his United top and um, anyway he got on the coach after and it turned out um, that he fainted in the taxi club because he <laughs> was so hot <laughs> so yeah just just stuff like that just um, oh he got himself into a big pickle somehow or other so,
0: so Scouser's about to pick him up because he's fainted in the taxi yeah. club that taxi club I have been in it it's on Walton Lane it's right near um, Everton and it's full <laughs> of like proper hardcore Everton and Liverpool fans so he's gone in there yeah. and he's fainted <laughs> Jesus.
1: in a leather jacket in 95 degree
0: heat yeah <laughs> Gary we love you mate and Ant, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining us uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast no soon worries.
1: Yeah, cheers, mate.
0: Thanks. I suspect that people might have used VPNs recently. You can use ExpressVPN, who support this podcast, to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think that you're located. If you open the app, select location, tap one button to connect... And refresh the page to access thousands of new shows and movies. You can choose from being in almost 100 different countries. So you can supercharge your Netflix subscription with way more content. For example, what have I watched? Um, Patria on HBO, the Spanish HBO, is absolutely brilliant. It's about the Etta and the Basque Conflict and I'm sure it will be coming in the English language soon but for the moment it isn't. So why choose ExpressVPN over other VPNs? Well you can stream in HD no problem, there's no buffering or lag. It's compatible with all your devices, your phones, laptop, media consoles, smart TVs and more. And not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. Go to VPN dot com slash united to get an extra three months of Express VPN for free that's expressvpn dot com forward slash united our next guest is Remo he's a regular contributor to United We Stand and when he's not calling out blaggers on Twitter he's usually going to Manchester United matches what did you make of the 4-1 win at Newcastle Remo?
2: Uh, good performance mate um, enjoyed it for the first time, probably this season. I thought that yeah, I mean, obviously they started terribly, but it was it was one of those goals that you know absolute freak um, but I thought you know they got their way back into the game, they passed it well, um, they looked like they had a plan um, to me um, as you know uh, i've i've been calling for the uh, For the benching of Mr. Pogba for a little while. And um, I thought it worked last night. I thought without him, um, there was a bit more industry and uh, a bit more of a plan.
0: Why have you been calling for the benching of Mr. Pogba?
2: I don't think he's been pulling his weight. It's as simple as that. And whilst he is a good player, I think in the current Manchester United setup, he's a luxury player that they can't afford. Um, I don't think it works with Fernandez. Um, and you know, maybe when things are going swimmingly, um, he can be he can be a flat track bully. But I don't fancy him in the uh, in tough games when we're up against it. And for whatever reason, we've had three of those games at the start of our season. Maybe we shouldn't have done, um, but they've been really tough games. Um, you know a bit more than me about the reasons for that. That the, that the club are putting out there um, with regards to fitness and lack of, lack of game time and stuff like that. But um, I, just think, I just don't think it works with him at the moment. I don't think he's massively focused, as you can see by his comments about Madrid. Um, and I think every time I watch Van der Beek, or bake, or whichever way you're going to pronounce it, um, I just think he's ready um he looked quality when he came on last night in the the build up to uh, Fernandez's goal that, that made it 2-1 he was he was you know influential uh made the key um pass out of out of our half um and i think he's yeah i think he's ready to go let him uh, let him play but yeah i'm much, much happy with it last night i thought they they did well they showed a lot of bottle i wasn't wasn't massively comfortable with Maguire being picked to be honest I, I I wanted him to have a rest he looked um before the international break like his his head was twisted uh, like he had something on his mind um obviously got sent off for England midweek and I just I was worried for him I really was but Newcastle was probably an easier get Newcastle don't tend to attack in numbers do they so it wasn't a bad game for him to to play last night and obviously he scored and hopefully that'll that'll turn a corner for him um, because I like him.
0: I saw one of your tweets um, picking up someone for what they said pre-match. What did you make of that online fury even before the game was started? Because I said to Anne, if we would have been at the match, there's no way everyone would have been slaughtering the manager and the team actually in the stadium. It's just this online thing and it's getting worse.
2: Absolutely it's getting worse because people are seeing an opportunity to make a a cyber name for themselves by being the most outrageous prick on there Uh, you know it's it's not for it's not for me and and like you say there's a completely different swathe of support that goes to games and you know they might shrug their shoulders and say i'm not so sure about that um but you know, ultimately being a supporter is exactly that. You support the team, you support the eleven that goes out there. And, you know, if we'd had three thousand at Newcastle last night, um they would have you know, they would have got behind the team. Despite us going one-nil down after ninety seconds or two minutes or whatever it was, they would have still been behind the team. Whereas the online um presence yeah you know, they'd given up they'd waved the white flag half an hour before kick off an hour before kickoff when they saw the the lineup um it's it's a strange thing andy but i you know it's not something I pay great credence to these people they do have a lot of followers, but I don't um like you say the best thing is just to call them out whenever you get the chance um and show them up for what they are, which is Odd balls.
0: how much you're missing not being able to go to the match
2: oh massively yeah um, you know I've got a young lad who's seven in a couple of weeks and you know he's starting to really get into his football playing more than anything at the moment um, and you just you know I'm just praying that junior football keeps its head above water and, and keeps on going in these times but um, you know he's starting to you know, I'm starting to think about taking him to the match in terms of, you know, I, I've not taken him yet because he'd be, he'd be, yeah, uh, he, he wouldn't be that, wouldn't be able to keep his attention focused for that long. But I'm starting to think, yeah, actually, you know, I'd, I'd like to take him, but I'm just worried that, you know, I'm not going to get the chance this season. Um, and, you know, how long is it going to be before I get in there? I just me mi- I just miss seeing the lads and 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 you know just that walk to the ground getting the tram and, and you know seeing the different characters that you always see it's uh, it's horrible and it's not the same and it's not football to me you know it's um yeah it, it's it's hard work it's hard work watching it it's hard work watching all this it's almost a civil war in you know between the clubs um tearing each other apart arguing you can see this pay-per-view is going to be a massive bone of contention for years and years to come because people are acting like it's a big surprise now but it's just opportunism you know let's have it right the glazers and others this is the this is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for them this is what they've been after for years this pay-per-view money to be able to keep that to themselves um so it's not gonna be it's not gonna be particularly pleasant. The one thing I hope, you know, that that I can see maybe coming out of it is potentially reduced ticket prices for those of us who do actually go to games. Um, but maybe I'm naive, I don't know. I know that was part of the part of the plan that United and Liverpool allegedly put forward, wasn't it? Yeah. Um kind of twenty quid away tickets and, and maybe a reduction for for home tickets likewise, but We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's hard, under. I hate not going.
0: The next game is against PSG away. We have got a PSG fan on this podcast. Guillaume is a, is a Parisian. Guillaume, sorry. Um, how are you feeling about that one?
2: Well, it'll be a good benchmark for us. Um... I, you know, it's a, it, They are they are quality. Um, they've always under slightly underperformed in in the the final stages of the Champions League, have not they? They tend to get knocked out in the last thirty-two or sixteen. I don't. Where, where did they get to last year? Was it the quarters or the semis?
0: The final. Oh shit! Yeah, that? they did, How didn't was they? That the final. Yeah. That was yeah. Kind of, Balance. When, um, when Andra Herrera said the thing about playing behind closed doors. Yeah, you're clubs. right. That was in, that was in Lisbon. So Coman,
2: team. Coman scored the winner, didn't he? That he probably did. stopped him from coming to United. <laughs>
0: um,
2: yeah, I don't know, mate. I, yeah, all right. That shows how much interest I took in the uh, Champions League last year. I, yeah, I mean, if we could come away with a draw from there, I'd be happy. Um, uh, but it, I think it's more about the performance. um, I wonder if he'll play Pogba. <laughs> I wonder if he'll play him, and you know what? That'll be a shop window. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, a draw. Would, a draw would be a very good result. Um, and yeah, like I say, it'd just be interesting. We're not going to win the European Cup this season, so it's a good chance for us to see where we where we stand after you know getting to the semis of the Europa. Uh, but going out really to the first first real quality team we faced, um, so Paris Saint-Germain will be a, a good test. And like I say, I'm not expecting too much from the Champions League. So let's just uh, let's ride it and see how you know how we're looking compared to the, the best teams.
0: Welcome to our next guest. All right, fans, how you doing, mate? I'm all right, fans. You all right, Andy? I'm happy because Manchester United beat Newcastle 4-1. Did you see it? You know, fuck! I'm not paying that. Fifteen quid. It's a, uh, it's an absolute piss take. That
3: I'm, not, I'm I'm just not doing it, mate. To be honest with you, Every day I fall out, of, fall out of love with football a little bit more. To be honest with ya. And when that will come out, them them fucking one-off games, fifteen quid a go. It's like, no, nah, you're, you're taking the piss. You're taking the piss. I just, I don't want any part of it. So, obviously, I watched match of the day. Yeah, I was out in the pub anyway, and I'm, I'm checking the score and blah blah blah. Listen. I'm Man United, but I'm not paying. I'm not. I'm not giving Sky an extra fifteen quid to watch fucking Newcastle. That's for certain. So, so yeah, obviously I've I've seen it, but I didn't. I didn't watch it live, mate. I just. I can't. I'm anti. and I I'm one of them. Anti been, Sky. Anti everything.
0: You've been doing some match commentary um, throughout this year. Was there any commentary on on any of the recent matches? Well,
3: I've, I don't know. To be honest, I've. I've Killed him off. I don't want to over-egg the pudding. And I think, after the way, (laughs) the Indian commentator, isn't it? Bruni to Poggy, Poggy to Rashi to turn him and oh my God, what the fuck? No, he, he lost it after that. He lost it halfway through. No, he lost it fucking five minutes into the
0: Tottenham game. And then he's just, he's fucking, he's
3: off his head. He's mad. He's gone.
0: I've been told um, that some United fans are having flags made up with some of your phrases for when we can go back into games with one of them saying proper technician on it.
3: That's it. Proper techie techie. I don't know what the exact phrasing is, but I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he's proper technician. Little Bruno flag. And keep, I fucking love that guy, Bruno. You love keep
0: it. going viral. When my brother and his mates came to see me in the summer, they all came over going proper technician. <laughs> you know, just...
3: I know yeah, it's become wasn't. a it's become a little bit of a uh, bit of a phrase that one proper technician. I'm on a promise from old Redknapp. He's my mate, isn't he, Jamie Redknapp? He's the only one who fucking has got enough bollocks to fucking like anything I do because Nev don't want it and Carragher don't want it, and you know blah blah. But he's on a promise that he, when he does the next United game, he's gonna give it a proper technician. Just you know, casually slip it in there about Bruno that he's a proper
0: technician. So. so you you take off lots of different people, and you can feel free to slip into character here. But Jamie Redknapp, I noticed, I started liking your stuff as you're saying, and now oh, he's a fucking blinder. He's, he's
3: an absolute blinder, But we know one, Scott Parker, isn't
0: <laughs> Go God, what does Scott Parker like?
3: Well, basically, I've run out. Of- the problem is this, I've run out of actions right. so I've had to just, I just do Scott Parker in my own voice, right. but I'm just doing, he was like an ultimate, ultimate sex case, you know, like, all he cares about is just being a dirty bastard, you know, like, he likes fat girls and old birds and blah, blah, blah. you know, he's a, he's a very, very sexy man, not sexy man, but, you know, like, sex man, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah,
0: I might get a bigger common,
3: real talk. <laughs>
0: yes. so, so, if you weren't watching, are you, I've heard you're playing vets for some rough team in London, or am I being unfair there?
3: Nah. Um,
0: do you know what someone said? My mum, she, out
3: of the blue, my mum said to me, oh, yeah, I've heard your team is shit, you fail everyone. And I, like, I have no idea where she's got that from. One, we ain't shit. We, we, have, we, we lost a game the start of the season, but we've won our other games, we're playing well. Um, it just come about off Instagram. I just thought, fuck it, I want to play football this year. Little release, I've just had a baby, do you know what I mean? It's a nice thing to look forward to on a Saturday, get out and blah, blah. So I just put it up on Instagram. I said, right, I'm looking for a team, who wants me? Um, and, yeah, a couple. Of t- one team offered me a kitchen. One team <laughs> was offering me this and that. And I was like, listen, I'll rent, mate. Do your homework. I'm not a fucking homeowner. What am I going to do with a kitchen? Keep it in a fucking you've been mulling in boxes yeah exactly Yeah. Um, so I ended up just signing yeah with this team but it turns out when I met them I actually know a few of them anyway because they're kind of from my area and I know people who know them and blah 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 but yeah I'm enjoying it mate yeah we uh, I fucking love it really Which if, part of if, London? if it um, and how old, I think you? We'll go how old are
0: you? Up. 38 man 38. I'm still playing at 46 I still get told off by my manager my manager's a Cockney He's a Chelsea fan. Wakey, wakey, Andy, for fuck's sake, Andy. It's like, well, what's your,
3: um, what what, what would, you, would you switch off or something?
0: Or is he just on you? No, he, my, he centre-back he, is, my, my centre-back's all over me. He fucking hates me. <laughs> my manager basically reads football very well. And he knows if I'm not as fit as I should be. And he knows if I lose my man. And I know deep down that everything he says is right. So it keeps me on my toes and I don't want to let him down, and I like him, and he's done it for a long time, he's managed at a decent level, and he absolutely bollocks me. It's like the only time in my life where I get told off. But it's <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, it's I nice. love it, I love it. I totally love it. But sometimes you might come up against a group of like uh, rough barrio kids or a team of Argentinians, and you know, it, sometimes it's open age, and I can't do anything. If I'm up against a 23-year-old lad, I just, I just... I'm limited in what I can do. I'm, li- I'm limited anyway, but playing football is, is a brilliant thing. Um how, you're a right back now. Like, you, you, I mean, I know, I know you're a right back. Yeah, yeah I am a right back now. I, I'm nice. a left back my, right. myself, but what, what, like, you're not proud of it, are you?
3: You've demonised it.
0: I, I've often been, um, even when I was at my best, I was probably the worst player in a very good team in Manchester. Um, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I think I've said a few times, I'm, I'm basically the only member of my family who's not received money to play football. So when we when when I was a kid before I, going to United stopped me playing for a long time because I was going home and away from being a young lad. Yeah. But just before that, I would, we would go to like Salford and playing gigs. His team, he played for a team called Deans, and I'd, I'd I'd actually mark him every time we played against him. And we oh. Ryan, Ryan Wilson, Ryan Gigs. So he was yeah. on, he was on the left. I was at right back. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, and we'd beat him almost every time. And I'd still have these arguments with him to this day, and he'll admit that, but I just got skinned every time I played against him. Absolutely skinned. Never oh, of never you... even had a good game, never even came close to him, would regularly be brought off at half-time. My dad would be just like... You know, my dad was a footballer as well. He'd just like, you know, you, you tried your best, son. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, sometimes that's all you can do. It's amazing. When
3: you come up against... a good. Well, as you know, Andy, your football club... Good players make it look so easy. Yeah. Make it look so fucking easy. And I think it's when you when you play lower, li- or even if you watch fucking conference football or, or, or you know, semi-pro football, yeah. you realise how good you, you have to be to even play at that level. You've really, really
0: good. If, you, if, you, if you're getting paid to play football, you've got to be really, really good. And it's always been a little bugbear for me when people... Would say a professional footballer is rubbish, he's terrible. Not, if you know, if you're good enough to be a professional footballer, you're really, really good. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just exactly, are. yeah. I, I know my brothers who played semi pro, I know how much better they are than me, and they're only semi pro. You know, it's, it's uh, that's how it is. Anyway, how are you feeling about Manchester United this season?
3: Uh, not great, to be honest with you, mate. And I, I can just see it happening again. I can just see them all, uh, all right, yes, listen, what was that? One all five minutes to go, wasn't it, yesterday? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That could have gone either way.
0: Mm. Um, you, I, you, one how them, mate?
3: Yeah? It didn't... It didn't oh, listen, I mate, not I, 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 sound like, I, I sound like an idiot, sorry, because obviously I didn't watch it right. <laughs> right. But it, 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 obviously I'm going from what I'm seeing on fucking match of the day.
0: Um... United battered them first and second half completely dominated actually played really well but this season's not been good so far but I've got to say that that performance at at St James's Park was a very good one and then Tuesday it's PSG away
3: yeah that's it mate that's it well that's um, that's a little bit more frightening to be honest with you I know Newcastle had a good start to the season but you know there's a difference between going to PSG especially they'll be on this fucking revenge thing won't they because of what happened the other year or last season, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't like the. Listen, if, if, if Palace are tearing holes in you, yeah, yeah, and then Tottenham do it, and then fucking let's have it right. Brighton could have scored five times. Yeah. Then you, you're walking into a bit of trouble against PSG. But then again, I did think that last time, yeah. and we went and got a result. But um, yeah, I'm. I, I don't listen. I was optimistic at the start of the season. I'd glossed over. I read your uh, 442, by the way. Mm. Um,
0: I mean, there's a, there, I, I, there's a lot of optimism in that. that. There's the current issue of 442, and it's a cover story. And there's probably yeah. 12 pages of United in there. And there's loads of inside information in that piece about what is going on behind the scenes. And it's not all gone well. I mean, United tried really hard to get Jude Bellingham, they'd scouted him 67 uh, times. But there's a lot of optimism in that piece. And then the season started and it just went bang. Yeah, But, but there are yeah. The, the fundamentals are that there's still the youth system is getting much better. Bruno Fernandes has still been a good signing. The team should still be stronger than than last season. We just need uh, Cavani to do well, Van der Beek to do well, Alex Telles to do well. Maybe get half a chance with uh, two of the 18-year-old wide men who, who've, who've come in. Yeah. Um,
3: to, to be honest, though, I'm, you know you've just said three or four players, yeah. Mm. How how many times the teams sign three, four, five, six players, whatever it is, and all of them do well? Never, ever. No,
2: they, they, they're, they're, they're not, not
3: all. They're not all going to take off. You just want to hope the right ones do
0: at the right times. I think signing footballers has never been an exact science. Sir Alex Ferguson made lots of errors in the transfer market. That's well. true. That's if, true. If, if three of them um, came good, I mean. Cavani's been brilliant wherever he's been. At some point, yeah. age is going to catch up with him, but we don't
3: know... Um, <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, where that's that right. It's a, it's a bit like the, um, the Larson signing. I was going to say the Ibrahimovic run, but I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like when we, when we got him in. Yeah. It's, it's risky, but it's, it's as long as it's a short-term thing, which it clearly is, Yeah, because I think it's, surely it's a stopgap until Greenwood plays down the middle. No, I don't know what you think.
0: Because um, I, I, don't,
3: I don't think Martial's going to end up staying as a fucking centre-forward, do you? Think, I mean, it, it
0: gives you another option. He's experienced, he's a leader, the younger yeah. players... And what I'm saying here is what the coaches feel. That, that this is they feel that watching him every day, someone who's won trophies and been massively successful world-class player, can be a good um, influence on, on the other players. Uh, Greenwood's still got a lot of learning to do you mentioned Larson I I actually spoke to him on Thursday for the first time in my life he's now the assistant coach of of Barcelona but when he went to Manchester United he had a transformative effect in that dressing room because all those players were in awe of him almost all of them which is pretty mad and he's quite a humble guy they absolutely loved Henrik Larson and they wanted him to stay and he wasn't there that long it was only three or four months that he was there so, you know, Cavani's not alone, um, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play, actually. And, no, and listen, I, I,
3: I like Paris, him.
0: He's going to be m- properly motivated against PSG,
2: but
3: well, clearly their favourites. Am I right in thinking, he, he, I don't know if I'm imagining, I make up a lot of stuff and tell myself his facts, but I don't know, is, is, he a, is he a fucking Neymar hater
0: or a Di Maria? I
3: know he, he fell out in one of them, didn't
0: he? <laughs> I like it. You make stuff up and... Yeah, I just fucking made the it back. up. Andy, um, bollocks. I don't care. Right, well, what I know for a fact is um, when United tried to sign him in 13-14, um, he wanted to be the main striker and United weren't prepared to go along with that. And there's been several times where he felt that despite playing better than Ibrahimovic at PSG, he was still seen as the second man there. Because you've got, right, the, right. You've got these two balls in the same pen. Got these two brilliant world-class strikers, but maybe they also motivated each other. I remember, like United and Chelsea kept pushing each other in two thousand and eight to basically be the best in the world.
3: Were they both starting at the same time? Yeah, were they lo- both
0: playing in the same lo- side? Yeah, lo- yeah, loads of times they did. But then, yeah. then PSG started to change a little bit, and their two best players were M- M- Mbappe. But this was later, and, and Neymar. But for for many games up until 2016 it would be Cavani and Ibrahimović yeah yeah but they, they both. Yeah. it was Cavani often had the oomph
3: to be honest we that is the, for me it's, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking we needed centre halves in my opinion we needed a left back because I think Luke Shaw is a bit of a myth I just don't I don't <laughs> see what direction that guy is moving in I think he's He's never quite kicked on, in my opinion, whatever. Now, this tell us, we, we needed a left back, yeah? We, we could have done with a different kind of right back, if you ask me. I know I said this last time, and I don't think it went down to, well, but I love Wan-Bissaka, but he's no good over the halfway line on the ball. Fucking great defender, great in the tackle, but I just don't see how you're a modern full-back.
0: Yeah, I think he's, he's regressed. It was great for him to get the goal at at Newcastle he started last season well he was tackling well but his distribution going forward has definitely become an issue um, and yeah. Diogo Dalot has been allowed to go Brandon Williams maybe so I spoke to someone at the club on Friday and they said maybe he should have a, another go at right back because he's not the, not the shoe He's right footed uh, isn't he yeah at, at left back and um, you said Telis right your your wife's from Brazil yeah Yes so mate you need to pronounce it right Telis Telis Alex Telis. Telis Navidad. No, no, but no, 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 no. That's that's Feliz. That's yeah, Happy. Same, same thing, same <laughs> thing. Yeah, Feliz Navidad, but that that's. Yeah, yeah no. I'm,
3: do you know what? I'm not one of them. I'm going to continue to call him tellers. because I can't stand them people who come back from Spain and go, "Oh, I had a blinding bit of paella." <laughs> just been in, just been in. Barcelona Scarces do it. they you know, like you know them educated scousers. Yeah. Nothing worse. I used to know one when I was in the fucking... I was in the shovel. When I... There was this... Well, there's always... There's loads of them. You meet loads of them. scars. They're all called fucking scars, right? But <clears throat> this one at uh, the last place I was at, he was the most... I, I, I should drive the fucking geese mad. But he was the most... He, oh God, he knew everything. And there were some birds flying past, and somehow we started talking about these birds. And he was like, instead of saying, "Yeah, I like birds," he went, "Yeah, I'm a keen ornithologist." <laughs> Not just your mate. You're a gun. And he used to do all that: Barcelona and Paella and fucking pronounce foreign words the foreign way. No, 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 no. Stop.
0: So you're alright. When... <sighs> you could do it. You live in Spain, whatever. So, so, it. so when you say you're in the shovel, you're actually in your cell here in prison, watching birds outside. <laughs> No, I used to work in the gardens. Right. Um, <laughs> Which prison was this in?
3: That was the last one. Full. It's like an open one. Right. For grassies and good boys, and obviously I'm not grass. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's full of them. It's, it's fucking horrible, actually. The concept of an open prison's is mental, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like there's, you, you can walk out. So it's like it's, it's almost they're, they're tempting you to fucking go home. So, because if you go home, you're definitely coming back and you won't be in this one. You'll be back in, you know, a Category B one or, so God forbid, a so, so you could go to the pub if you wanted to? If well, Technically, yeah, nothing to stop you. Walk straight out.
0: But if you do, you're going back into a proper prison.
3: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's normally just... For, it's, it's, you, you normally... You're on your... You've ended up there as a result of being in them other places. You don't want to go back. Well, you just want to get home and then when they... Well, me, personally, I got released on tag, and that's a fucking drag because you're out, but you can't go nowhere, you're stuck. Oh, horrible. But why, why am we talking about this anyway? Just about that geezer scouts. Yeah. He's a fucking horrible, oh, God, what a bitter man. Was horrible, there a lot man. of
0: Mancunians and scousers in the various prisons that
3: you've been um, to? Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, the one I went up to was, like, uh, in the Midlands. Yeah. Um, so there was people from all over. Yeah, there was, I met some blinding, blinding fucking lunatic, this kid from Salford. But absolute blind of a kid, but fucking hell, what a lunatic. Like the maddest I've ever met in my life. And I've met some weirds, you know. Um, but yeah, and then there was this, uh, yeah, loads of, probably met about six or seven blokes called Scouts. So that kind of tells you that there's not, I didn't come across that many of them. Because they're all called scarce. Do you know what I mean? You can't call them all Scars if there's loads of them.
0: Welcome to our next guest, Guillaume. He is a, a Parisian and he's a lifelong PSG fan. Thanks for joining us, mate.
4: Thanks, Andy, for, for giving me the opportunity to, to talk to Manchester's fan. It's a, it's a big honor and I hope they understand my accent. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have the, the North England accent, but I, I do my best so everyone can understand what I'd be. Telling your, your fan about Piaget.
0: <laughs> your, your English is, is very good. And uh, if I tried to do this in French, I'd basically be able to say the word chicken, beer, and I like football and my pet is a rabbit and I'm from an industrial city and that would be me out of my French. So <laughs> appreciate you. For, thank you for, for joining us. How are you feeling ahead of the game on Tuesday? And are you still scarred by what happened in March nineteen?
4: Uh, definitely <laughs> uh, definitely definitely it's uh it's a good occasion actually to 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 make a draw there because uh, it was uh, like unbelievable i still have this uh I, I can't believe still this game you know every time i ever think about it it's like how come how come we got eliminated of the, of the Champions League this year it was like and I still can believe it I still can believe with the team we had we couldn't maintain the advantage of of two go nights like unbelievable so it's a it's a good occasion for, for us to to send a message back to to you guys
0: well hopefully not but no. have continued
4: <laughs> I, I hope your night I hope your night there won't be as joyful as it was
0: <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant mate I, I just went there not thinking that United would be going through at all and you don't want to hear this but I like watching football in part de France the atmosphere is really good and people sometimes have an image of PSG as as this new club or they talk about your ownership and I'd be interested in your views on that as well but the atmosphere has always been absolutely brilliant, it's miles better than any British football ground and even when PSG came to Old Trafford for the first leg and played really really well, your fans... Three or 4,000 of them were so boisterous and noisy. It was a proper good away following. So I think United fans respected the fans, maybe not the ones just sat immediately in front of them because they were a bit too, too boisterous, but everybody thought that PSG were going through. You continued your, your progress. You reached the Champions League final this year in, in Lisbon. Didn't really turn up. Is, am I being unfair saying that?
4: Yeah no well, yeah uh, I think first Bayern uh, was Bayern was very strong so that's the first thing, and uh, and then it's learning, uh, it will be for this year I guess so no no worries on that, and uh, before we spoke I, I I check on my, I, I had an intuition and I, I check on uh, on the, on figures and and data and uh, because it's true that uh, history of Paris after uh, Qatar bought it is not the same as the early 2000 uh, experience we had. And actually the last uh, title of, uh, European title of Manchester United, uh, I'm not talking about the wow. UEFA Cup, I'm talking about the Champions League, was 2008. And basically in 2008, PSG saved, uh, his, uh, was saved from relegation on the last day by a goal at the last minute from a, mm-hmm. probably a nice player time. who you won't know about. It's called Amaradiane. Uh, so that's, that says a lot about uh, the where we are coming from, and all the all the improvement we've done. Uh, so it's true that we've been uh, lucky to have Qatar backing us, but I think there is a big culture of football. There is a big story uh, of uh, of uh, of supporters in Paris. Um, probably I'm from Paris. I've always been to Parc des Princes. So. I would say probably one of the best in, in France, or the best. Uh, and I think we are doing very good noise when we go abroad. I mean, we have maybe not always for the good reason, but we have uh, we have a good uh, a good crowd, uh, lots of patience behind, lots of melting pot. Uh, Sometimes for the worst, but most of the time it's for the best. So yeah, I think well, I would be. I'm quite proud of of our our stadium, our people. And uh, and the result we have been doing uh, we have been having for the last uh, last ten years. Before that, it was complicated, and then early 90 was br- was brilliant. So, yeah.
0: Who were your favorite players of the old PSG before that when came in? Uh,
4: that's a tough question. I loved uh, Rai. Was fantastic. Uh, Rai was fantastic. Uh, Ginola was brilliant Giorcaev Weah, well wow, that's amazing and then if you come, unfortunately 2000 have been a nightmare for us I think the only players that bring a little light there was Ronaldinho eventually then Paoleta but the rest was unfortunately not not that brilliant though we had Amaradiane who saved us I think it's the only great memory of, of the of the of the 2000 2010 uh, Um so yeah I would say Rai anyway
0: so Rai uh, uh, the Brazilian yeah the you Brazilian know, you know who his brother was sorry you know who Rai is Socrates yes. Socrates.
4: yes yes brilliant well yes. They, I think uh, it's uh, probably Socrates has another impact from uh, on still the still society still and British. so on but Rai I think has the same kind of of culture, some kind of education. Mm, you really feel like someone like, you know, educated, passionate about football. So,
0: and uh, w- yeah. where do PSG fans come from? Because I'm not sure what Aaron the stadium is in, but it seems to be a very wealthy part of Paris. Are PSG fans wealthy, or do you bring no. fans in from the the working class? banlieues? Yeah. is that right?
4: Yeah, Banlioz. No, I think uh, the stadium of Parc des Princes is a big melting pot. I know, like, for example, we... Well, f- first day is one thing that if you compare to biggest city of, of... or the biggest capital of football, generally speaking, in Europe, you have at least generally two, <clears throat> two, two teams per, per city. In the case of Paris, you had just one. Before that, it was the Racing... Uh, the red star but now they are the are metra racing and this kind of things but they are in now in, in second division or national so you actually you have really one club in paris for the elite so it's a big midland cup you don't have like i don't know in england like chelsea with like let's say the, the rich suburbs and against arsenal back then or or that you have this confrontation of posh against uh, working class and uh, in Paris, the the melting point is is quite important, and I think this is why also you have suspicion in the stadium because uh, you have all all kind of people, but they all like take away their social background when they arrive and enter the stadium, and they all song and 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 cheer for, cheer up for the same uh, same colors, and I think this is what makes uh, the Parc des Princes so so unique in France.
0: Tell me. Briefly about the following players, what your opinion is of them. Thirty the, seconds. The, Thirty the, seconds. The, the, you, you mean the, the current players? The current players. So I'm going to ask. I'm going to say some names, or current or very recent players. Cavani.
4: Lovely. Uh, he's a typical player you just can love because he gives everything god I think you've been very lucky to have him, and I hope, uh, and I hope he will respect us by. You know, s- not scoring, <laughs> uh, but no, it's an amazing player. Actually, is the best scorer of Paris, uh, two hundred goals, kind of amazing in uh, seven, seven, seven seasons. So it's amazing, basically.
0: And the Herrera,
4: no, no. And the Herrera, clever. Uh, I have been uh, he arrived right this year, but uh, well, no, sorry, yes, last year, and really kind of guy that yeah, in two weeks he was already trying to make his interview in French, very respectful, very clever, It's I don't know him personally, but it's, this is the, at least the image, is, it's showing to, to everyone, so...
0: Kylian Mbappe.
4: Ah, yeah. How I, what I can say he's uh, the crack, as we say in Spain. Uh, no, it's uh, it's amazing. I wish, I wish he's going to to last. I hope uh, by 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 being so so unique, he he'll keep on uh, doing the effort he has to do because he's only he's only twenty. So, so to have the level of of your Cristiano Ronaldo, or Le- Messi, or Zidane in the so it he can last. Uh, and just the, the wish I have for him to last to stay as brilliant as he is but he's amazing Neymar uh, they are two Neymar Neymar is uh, ne- Neymar of uh, of uh, of uh, the early PSG and he seems like now he's kind of a grown up guy he's been uh, completely different on during the 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 final eight uh, in uh, in in Lisbon, and it seemed like a new player. Uh, like that he was running like he never ran, he was defending like he never defended And I think for many many people, he maybe missed a little this final, but the attitude he put on the field during these eight days and since the beginning of the season is like very mm-hmm. different from what we have we have seen in the in the two first years of this transfer. Though obviously, from time to time, you have like. He's doing something irreal, uh, but after the divorce with Paris, uh, his uh, fake comeback to Barcelona and so on, it was like he really was like it was hard to to like him. But we have to say, he managed to 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 reverse the situation and uh, and to get back the love of the people. So I think he's he's on the good track, and hopefully he will last like this, and hopefully he can be kind of a new guy for, for us
0: and we can't go through the whole team because we've not got time but Angel De Maria is another player who's played at Manchester United he's obviously doing
2: very well at the HG. yeah
4: he's doing he, he, was, he had a, a little uh, difficult time at one, uh, at one point but I think he's doing he's doing great but I would like also to and there's one I would like to, to also to mention is Kim Pembe because uh, he's, uh, he's a pure Parisian guy uh, from the academy, and uh, he's been going like hell to to now be I think one of the top uh, defender worldwide, and uh, this is my little uh, how you say my my coup de coeur you know. Uh, I hope he will he will hand his carry there uh, with the capi- with the captain uh, uh, captain uh, band on his arm because uh, because yeah, he's a little French guy a uh, little parisian guy and, uh, and this is amazing to have one in the team where everyone is so coming from the best club, best origin, best whatever. So to have one, uh, we say a Titi Parisian in the team is something fantastic.
0: Finally, predict the score. And is there any Man United player who you'd like apart from having Cavani
4: back? Well, you have a lot of Parisian actually, you yeah? <laughs> know? Uh, <laughs>
0: it's true well I mean your, your city produces more world class footballers than any city in the world I think it's proven true. to be Paris and, and São Paulo in, in Brazil but at the moment it's definitely Paris uh,
4: so so uh, there, are, there are many uh, many good players uh, in, in Manchester uh, but if I would if I like to say one um, hmm what
0: do you think of Paul Pogba as a Frenchman
4: I think he's I think he's great uh, I think he's a little bit like Neymar he does uh, unfortunately I don't think he's going through his best years uh, he's he did great in, in national team where he, he, he really played real football and uh, invest himself as a, as a really team player and so on and um, so I hope he will continue like that because definite thing is uh, one of the greatest midfielder uh, that you can find currently. Uh, so I would love to have him in Paris, but have the 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 Paul Pogba really like uh, fighters and and uh, game winner and not necessarily the the marketing Paul Pogba. Score prediction, finally. Score production. Ah. I don't know, maybe a, a three one for PSG obviously. Sling it. <laughs> yeah. uh, just for the fun, maybe historically, historically that's a reality. Uh, lots of uh, former PSG players scored when they play against PSG. So uh, I I won't be surprised if Cavani scored one goal, but if we score three, it will be okay.
0: I'm not going to agree with you, but I will thank <laughs> you for your, your
4: time, Guillaume. Thanks, Sandy. I hope uh, people of Manchester will understand me.
0: So that's it for this podcast. Probably the longest United We Stand, one that we've ever done with our four guests. We will bring you another one from Paris. That That is the plan. Uh, I have got accreditation. Um, hotels booked and paid for, flights booked and paid for. There's a lockdown after 9pm, so I need to sort that out. I'm not sure whether I'll get some sort of access to allow me on the street. But anyway, I'll try my best. And the new United We Stand mag is out. Uh, All copies are in the post that were ordered before the deadline. We will do another mail out on Monday. If you're in the UK and want to order one, PayPal 399 to uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk or look on our website, uwsonline.com com to see how to subscribe and we can post you a copy out or you can download the digi- digital edition instantly and that's slightly cheaper if you do it that way again go to uwsonline.com to see uh, details how to do that but we do appreciate support of people buying the fanzine while we can't sell it at the games we need people to do that if it's going to carry on and we need people to support our sponsors on this podcast as well the athletic offer if you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash united we stand the offer's there thanks for joining us